Good evening. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services with the Braille Institute. We'd like to welcome you tonight for the Dr. Bill Education Series. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topic presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help you better understand pediatric eye conditions. Tonight's presentation will be uh, Pursue Eye Movement. Dr. Bill will describe the development of pursuit eye movement skills. Consultants will describe numerous activities used to develop pursuit eye movement. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Bill, and if you could all mute your lines, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome, Dr. Bill. Oh, thank you very, very much, Karen. That's, that's such a nice introduction. I appreciate that very much. And this evening, we're going to be talking about things in a little bit different manner. You know, in the past, we've talked about a lot of the different eye diseases and visual conditions that do affect children. But tonight, we're actually going to talk about specific strategies to perform exercises that can help to develop a child's vision. And this is something that we're very, very fortunate here tonight because we have the Braille Institute's child development consultants. And these folks, they work with children every day and they perform different activities and they see how these activities can improve vision. So tonight we're going to talk about eye movements. And we often realize that people are able to move their eyes and that children are able to move their eyes. We don't often look at how accurately that a child is able to move his or her eyes. So by watching the movements of a child's eyes, that is really a major way that we could determine if a child is able to see, and how well that they're able to see. You know, when you look at a child and that child turns her eyes to look out the window, you know that that child is actually looking outside that window. And if the child then turns her head and her eyes to look at the TV, you know that that child is able to see the TV screen. So it's very important that we think about how developed are a child's eye movements. And it's very possible that there are some children who are able to see things, but they cannot move their eyes very well. And as a result, these children do not use their usable vision because of the fact that they cannot move their eyes properly. I remember, you know, my wife and I, when we had our first daughter, okay, our first child, gosh, you know, it was such a nerve-wracking time, you know, because we don't know anything that's going on. And it was finally the time she says, you know, Bill, 
I think I need to go to the hospital. I'm having these contractions. And we just rush to the hospital, and, you know, you're just so nervous, and you don't know what to do. But anyways, it was about 12 hours later, the doctor says, I think that the baby's going to be delivered. And so the doctor says, okay, you just stay right here, and we're going to put a hat on you and a, a mask and some gloves. And, Mom, you just push when we tell you to. And so then she pushed, and the doctor said, okay, one more push, and she pushed, and the head popped out. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I just didn't know what to expect, but the baby's head popped out, and it was only the head. And as soon as the head popped out, I could see the baby's face. And then she opened her eyes. It blew me away. I didn't expect her to be opening her eyes at that moment. I mean, she wasn't even out of the birth canal completely. And I said, could this really be? She is looking right at my eyes. Her eyes look great. So I then moved, and she moved her eyes, and I moved to a different position, and she moved her eyes again, and she was literally following me. Oh, I'll never forget that feeling. I couldn't believe that a newborn had that ability. Usually we find that these kind of eye movements, it might take three to six months. But for whatever reason, she was able to follow me that way. And it gave me such a great sense of feeling because I then knew that she's able to see. She's not blind. I didn't have any reason to believe that she was going to be blind or anything, but just the fact that she could move her eyes and follow me, it really was a great feeling to know. It was really like this bonding. And so this is what we're going to talk about today as it relates to the eye movements. You know, the very first eye movement that we will look at with a child is that we will look to see if the eyes are steady. In other words, are the eyes just looking steady or do the eyes rapidly shake from side to side? You may have seen some children or maybe your child has eyes that just shake from side to side. Now that condition when the eyes shake is something that is called nystagmus. N-Y-S-T-A-G-M-U-S. And when a child does have nystagmus, it is actually a very good sign, though. As doctors, if we see that a child has nystagmus, we actually know that that child has vision. If a child's eyes do not have any type of nystagmus. In other words, 
they're not shaking very quickly. But the eyes are rolling, and they roll in different directions, and they constantly roll. That is called a nystagmoid eye movement. And the nystagmoid eye movement is a poorer sign. In other words, people who have these nystagmoid eye movements usually have very little vision. Maybe they could see a little bit of light. Maybe they could see a very large object but they can't see details. And there may be times that you might run into a person who is blind and they are wearing sunglasses and they wear dark sunglasses even inside. And if they take their glasses off and you look at their eyes, most of the time... Their eyes are constantly moving. They have that kind of nystagmoid eye movement. So they will use sunglasses to cover their eyes because it's a little bit uncomfortable for people to see the eyes constantly wandering and roaming and moving like that. So when you look at the child, you want to see, do they have any of this type of nystagmus, or are their eyes actually steady? If their eyes are steady, that's a very, very good sign. If they have nystagmus, that is also a good sign, because it does mean that these kids do have vision. Now, you might then ask that question, if a child has nystagmus, Is that something that gets better with time? And the answer to that is yes. Many kids, as they get older, the nystagmus will improve. And we will often do eye exercises to help these kids to control the nystagmus better. An example of the types of exercises we do is that we will give them toys or pictures or little pen lights and we will hold it very close to their eyes. And I mean within two inches or closer. So when the kids look at something this close to their eyes, their eye muscles have to pull and focus. Now, when they pull and they focus their eyes, you will notice that their eyes are going inward towards their nose. It looks like they're making a funny face by letting their eyes go crossed. But when they're pulling that eye muscle to cross their eyes, it is a way that they are learning to reduce the shaking of their eyes so that as they get older, they could focus and reduce the nystagmus. Or let's say that they're learning to read. At that time when they're reading, these kids might prefer to bring the book closer to their eyes because when they bring it closer to their eyes, 
they don't have as much of the shaking. And as they get older, they're able to control it better and better. So that is a a very, very good piece of news. Now, other parents might say, well, if my child has nystagmus, is there any kind of eye surgery that could be done to reduce the nystagmus? And there is a surgery. Now, the eye muscles are attached to the eyes, and we have six eye muscles that are attached to the outside of the eye. So what they do in the nystagmus surgery is that they cut the muscles from the eye and then they reattach them so that there's a lot of slack in the muscle. The muscle is very, very loose. It's not pulling on the eye when they reattach it. And in this way, when the muscles are shaking, it doesn't actually move the eyes because there's that little bit of slack. So that is one way you can reduce the nystagmus. However, when you do that type of surgery, there's a cost to it in the sense that these children and later as adults, they will not be able to move their eyes as far to the left or to the right or up and down as other kids and other adults. So that could become a little bit of a problem if they're trying to play sports or even later when they're going to be driving a car. So as a result, the number of kids who have surgery for the nystagmus. Now, a third way that we could work on nystagmus is that we as doctors can prescribe certain types of lenses, and we will often use prism lenses and what's called a minus lens. And these are lenses that will force the child to focus and to pull the muscle. And as they pull the muscle, it will reduce the nystagmus. So then as they get a little bit older, we reduce the power of the glasses. And we let them take care of their nystagmus by using their eyes. And then we reduce the power of the glasses again later to the point where eventually we don't have any more of these special lenses in the glasses. And this is a way that a child could really uh, reduce and control that nystagmus very, very much. Because for many people who do have this nystagmus, it is something that they're very self-conscious about. People could see it, and people will ask them, you know, why are your eyes shaking? Are you drunk or, hey, are you loaded or what, what's going on? So as a doctor, when people have nystagmus, they're very, very concerned about it. They want any sort of help. Now, the last treatment for nystagmus 
is that we could fit people with a hard contact lens. And the hard contact lens, in some cases, will reduce the nystagmus. So overall, we we could let parents know that if their child has this type of problem and they can't keep their eyes fixated steady, uh, these are the things that we'll work on. Now, the next eye movement that we want to talk about tonight are called pursuit, P-U-R-S-U-I-T, pursuit eye movements. And these are eye movements that kids use all the time while they're playing. And I try to remember pursuit. It's kind of like if the police are pursuing, you know, a bad guy. They are following that bad guy's car. And when a person is using their eyes to pursue something, that's what they're doing. They are following. It's a following eye movement. So if a child is looking at a toy, and the toy is a little choo-choo train, for example, the child will be following that train across the floor. And this is how the pursuit eye movements work. Or it may be that a child is looking at mom, and mom's cooking in the kitchen and moving around here and there. Well, the child is going to have to learn how to follow mom in order to be able to keep his or her eyes on mom. And if they don't learn how to follow, one of the symptoms is these kids may become very nauseous. Kids who have poor pursuit eye movements they may feel very, very sick as they're trying to follow. In some cases, when a child does not have the pursuit eye movement skills developed yet, they will try to follow by moving their head. And as they are moving their head to try to follow, the head movements are often jerky. So it's just like if you are moving your head from left to right and up and down, you feel like you're on a roller coaster and you could feel very nauseous. So when a child is very young and they do not have these pursuit eye movements developed, many times what they will do is they just will not look. They will not look at you with their central vision. They may even keep their eyes closed if they're feeling very, very nauseous when they try to follow. So this is why at an early, very, very early age, we could begin to develop these types of pursuit eye movements. And we really don't expect to see real nice pursuit eye movements until maybe the child is six to nine months. Before that time, you may notice them move their eyes as they're trying to follow you, but it might look jerky. 
But as they then start to get six, seven, eight, nine months, you may notice that things will, will really, really smooth out. So the first thing is it is probably best to begin working on the pursuit eye movements while the child is lying on his or her back. And the reason to do it while the child is on his or her back is that there's head support. If we try to hold and carry a baby so that the baby is upright, you know, so many young babies do not have the neck strength to control their head. So their head starts bopping here and there and, oh, that makes it very difficult. So we could lie the child on his or her back. Number two, we have to try to get the child's attention somehow. Now, many children are interested in looking at mom or dad's face. And if they are, that is fantastic. If the child has difficulty looking at mom or dad's face, we have to then look and see, are there a lot of other distractions that are behind you that's preventing the child from looking at your face? Maybe you got all these, you know, inflated balloons and you got posters and all these other things all over the walls. Well, that makes it more difficult for the child to actually focus on your face. So if you could have the child in a room that's going to be emptier, okay, that'll work better. When a child is very, very young, the distance that you want to try to place your face from the child's eyes is going to be between one and two feet. Between one and two feet. So you may have to move a little closer, or you move a little further back, but you might find the spot that it seems as though the child sees you. And the reason that that is that way is because, for example, a newborn or a very young child they do not have the muscle control to shift the focus of the eyes from across the room to close. The newborn baby's eyes are focused at a distance between one and two feet. And that is really designed so that the child can have that type of maternal bonding so that the child can see mom's face as mom is carrying that child. And once you find that particular distance, maybe you're going to talk to the child. You're laughing. Maybe you're making different faces or funny noises. And the child enjoys that. You could then move your head and watch to see if the child is able to move the eyes a little bit to follow. And if the child does move the eyes a little bit, then you quickly move to a different location 
and the child's going to then try to follow you. And as soon as they find you at the new location, go ahead and move your head again. So it's a little bit of a, a game. It becomes sort of a game for the child. And then you take a little break. So it doesn't mean that we're doing these eye exercises where the child's following your face for 10 minutes. It might be 30 seconds total. But if the child is trying to do it and starting to move it, that is very, very good success. And then at another time of the day, you can repeat it again. And you can have dad do it. And you could have the brother, the sister, the granny, the grandma. You can have all kinds of people do it every time they go to say hi to the baby. And this is a very, very easy one type of way to develop these kind of eye movements. Now, another thing you could do to get the attention of the child, too, is that you could drop a cloth diaper over the child's face and play peekaboo. And as you're playing peekaboo and the child gets aroused from that, then you could start to move your head and let the child follow it. So we could, you know, input some variety by adding a little bit of peekaboo to this. You could also work on the eye movements as a child is feeding. If the child feeds from a bottle, we would recommend that we make this bottle very high contrast. Or maybe we're going to paint the bottle so we'll paint red stripes around it or something. And before we give the child the bottle, we could shake the bottle. And then we'll move it and let the child follow it. And when he follows it, then we'll go ahead and bring the bottle in so the child could drink. And then a little while later, We'll take it away. And the child's really going to want that bottle now. I hope the child doesn't get mad, you know, <laughs> but we can make it into a little game. And the child will follow the bottle and bring it in. So I want to uh, open it up to some of the consultants. Uh, do any of you have any other suggestions of some good games or other devices that you have used to work on the child's eye movements when they're following something? Or have you found or made any toys that the kids are interested in looking at? Dr. Bill? Yeah. Hi. Who is that? This, this is Liz. Hey, Liz. Hey. Um, so since we've been working from home and doing televisits, I have found um, a lot of success with sharing my screen and doing word searches. Really? So, um, 
semi, yeah, semi created myself, and I'll even show the parents how to do it, just writing, you know, letters or numbers on a paper. And um, also, I share uh, Highlights Magazine has a great website that has a lot of hidden pictures and word searches and puzzles that um, you can do with the child during our our visit. Is that right? And so the kids like to move their eyes as 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 they follow your pencil when you're writing. Yes. And it, I I found that it helps like with the visual scanning, and then also yeah. kind of like finding, um, like it's hard to explain. It's like kind of a jumble of letters, uh-huh. and you have to find the letter B. But it, there's G's and D's and other, you know, letters that are circular, so they have to discriminate, you know, which one's the B. And we practice, you know, going left to right and tracking. And, wow, that's know, a good I idea. Yeah. You know, Liz, have you found that you have to use different colored pencils or different colored markers? or did... Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, yeah, so some kids, um, it's hard for them to see, so I'll have to, like, up the contrast or I'll use a red or a yellow, and I can even zoom in. Um on my screen, and it zooms in for them at home to help them see it better. Wow, that is great. You know, you know, at home, when you're doing this uh, uh, with these types of tele- televisiting, what is the mom and the child looking at at home? Are they looking at a computer screen? Are they looking at, like, an iPad? Or they're not looking at an iPhone, are they? It depends. They're usually on either an iPad or their computer, but um, some families, like you said, don't have computers, so they they use their iPhones. But it's hard to do a screen share on such a tiny screen, so it's usually just the kiddos with the bigger screens that they can see. And they can even draw on the screen. So we can, what do you um, mean? They can use their finger. They can use a stylus to draw on the screen and then oh. I can also draw and they can so we can see what each other are drawing we can see the lines oh I didn't know you could do that really that's great yeah it's pretty neat hey, the, well, the Highlights Magazine website is great it's free so um, I would encourage you guys to check it out it's pretty cool okay and uh, is that website do you know it off the top of your head um, I don't, it's, it's the Highlights Magazine for Kids, so I'm sure if you just Google Highlights for okay. Kids, it'll come up. Hey, Liz, now, I know that you had said something about uh, hidden pictures in the Highlights. Mm-hmm. Tell, yeah, me how yeah, you guide, tell me how you guide the kids to do that. Like, do they know these animals already? Or... Well... What, Whatever they don't it is necessarily have to have the the word to label it because it's pictures. So there's a like a a bank of pictures. So okay, next we're gonna find this picture, and it's an apple. And so we'll look for that. And um, I've done just like screenshots of hidden pictures that I found online, and then also um, highlights again has um, hidden pictures on their website and it's really great because you can ask for hints so it kind of zeroes in on the area 
to look at, so it shines like a little spotlight where you want them to look. Oh, that is really good. Oh, I like that idea. Gosh. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you have any other activities that you you have used with your kids? Um, As far as, like, visual tracking and, like, making your own kind of stuff, um, I do a lot of, like, throwing the ball, beanbag, tossing. Um, I I used to use the light bright a lot when we were going in home. Now, how would you use the light bright? You would move around the little tiny peg, or? Yeah, yeah. So they oh. have to, yeah, they have to scan and find where to put the pegs. That's really good for their fine motor, too. Oh, very good. Hey, now, Liz, I just, I'm sort of curious, though, are most of the kids that you're working with, are they a little bit older? Are they, like, four and five years of age? Yeah, I think, yeah, most of my kids are older, between, like, four and six. So these activities you're doing are really good for education development. I mean, you're really getting them ready to uh, use their vision and their fingers to hold on to a pencil to either write or to use a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Or the brailler. We focus a lot on finger strength, getting ready to, you know, push down on the brailler. Oh, oh. God, that is really good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have any other ideas, uh, share any of the ideas that you found that works to help kids to start looking and following? Dr. Bell? Yes. This is Patty. Hey, Patty. How are so, you? Hi. Good. So for the younger kiddos, so, you know, about nine to two years old, nine months to two years old, I like to find maybe their favorite ball around the house. Sometimes we have spiky balls or sparkly balls. And I like to actually put them in like a a baking pan. And so oh, okay. the baking pan usually has borders and I'll roll it really slowly side to side. Yeah. And so that, you know, since they're younger kids, they're tra- you know, we're still working on the beginning of tracking, and so they'll kind of watch it move slowly. But then when it hits one end, it kind of gives that um, that feedback, that of uh, a uh, sound to right, make right. the right uh-huh. the metal clink. And so they really enjoy hearing that auditory feedback and just tracking it side to side in those metal um, cookie trays or or baking pans. Um, oh, and another, yeah. Another one I like to do with the kiddos is I don't know if you or any other parents are familiar with like hex bugs. There are these heard like, of it. little, there are these little tiny bugs you can find on Amazon or at Target. They're about an inch and a half big, and they vibrate, but they move. So they move around really <laughs> slowly in circles, zigzags, all kinds of movements. But it's pretty slow and they're vibrating. So the kids, I tell them, we're going to play a game. We're going to catch the bugs. And so they really have to watch closely where the bugs are moving and then coordinate that hand and eye so that they can grab it (laughs) as it's moving. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, now, are these just toys, or is, is this designed for something else? The hex bugs are just toys. Um, they're, they're just toys that you can find. Again, I, I find them on Amazon, at Target, Walmart, and um, they're just pretty neat. They're just little toys. They're, I think they're designed for a little bit older children, but in our case, it works great for those wow. visual exercises, visual stimulation. <laughs> okay, real, real quickly again. Then, what is the name of it? I gotta look for these. Hex H E X bug B U G. Hex bug. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have to put batteries inside them? They come with them, but yes, they eventually need to be replaced. They're those little circular disc batteries that they yeah. use. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a great, great idea. Wow, how did you find that little toy? <laughs> you know what? One of the previous consultants used to do it, and I thought I, I fell in love with the <laughs> the exercise and the activity, so I do it. So I copied her. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Patty. Dr. Bill? Yes. Um, like she was saying, we we share ideas all the time, and I don't remember who shared this with me, but another thing that I do is we can um, play like a hide-and-go-seek game on the wall, so put letters on the wall or put pictures on the wall, and then in the dark, you take a flashlight, and oh. you can slowly move along and find the different pictures, spell words. Um, so you can control, like, the speed of, you know, the light that you're yeah. moving with the tracking. And then also... Um, That's great. That's a great uh, one. Uh, Lazy Susan, like when you, like at a table, the, yeah. the plate that rotates. Um, I use that, and I found that um, a lot of people have them at their house, so the parents can get it easily and you put, like, a sticker or something on it, and then you can spin it you know, slowly and have the yeah. child track that. Especially if they don't have a light box and a spinner and stuff right now and we, and we can't get it to them. It's kind of like a makeshift. You can make your own, like, spinner. Wow, that's a great idea. Hey, you know, you could put some cupcakes on there and I'll follow them and grab them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Does anybody else have any other uh, uh, suggestions of toys that you've used or created? Have any of you used anything like uh, the black and white striped drums? Have you made anything like that? Yes, Dr. Bill. Those are wonderful because of the high contrast. So I think we all, all the consultants, we use those drums along with the um, pom-poms. And pom poms are so reflective oh, uh-huh. and attractive, yeah, to help the kiddos track the younger kiddos, and and those are wonderful. Yeah, it seems like the motion from the pom pom or the motion when they see the black and white drum with the stripes on it, it, it really seems to get their attention, especially if the child has had any kind of neurological issue, like maybe that the child wasn't breathing real well at one time and it affected a little bit of the neurology. 
we, we find that that kind of motion is very, very, very helpful. Also, I think, are they called pinwheels? I, I don't remember, but you would get them at the county fair. And they're yes. very colorful, flowery looking things, and you blow it and it spins. Is- Dr. Bill? Yes. Um, yeah. I'm Mr. Louise, I'm a, and I'm an early intervention pediatric physical therapist, and I've lately been having a lot of kids with vision issues. And just oh. starting finding out about you guys, um, the Braille Institute, I'm in San Diego, though, and there's nobody down here, but oh. I know Patty has started this um, one of my kids, and I have a lot of kids I'm probably going to be sending to her, but I have a child right now that I'm hoping the mom will call this week. But uh, we've been, I took a, I've been taking some vision classes just to be more aware on the kids I see. Wow. Um, and I, because it plays such an important role, I think vision should be the primary thing that these kids are getting because it really affects the PT and the OT and everything else. But so I'm trying to be wow. such an advocate for vision right now in such a big way. But I have a child that um, he'll be a year in August, and I just started seeing him around January with no eye contact at all, no tracking mm. at all. The only thing I could get is a response in the pupil to a flashlight, but um and then, yeah, and the doctors, the eye doctor's saying, oh, the structures are fine. But obviously, I mean, anybody who sees a child <laughs> would say there's oh. a vision issue. But I've been telling mom about stuff, and then she started reading. And she did get a pinwheel this week, like you're talking about, that is red. It's a red flower with yellow center, yeah. and the petals are shiny. And so between the movement and the high contrast, it's the first time I'm seeing this child um, start to make eye contact and will oh, slowly really? to the um, side. So it was huge to see that this week. Um, Gosh, that's and great. I, so that was interesting. You just brought that up. And, um, you know, and I do have my... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, I was just going to say, and what Patty just said about the pom-pom, um, the one patient of mine that she's working with, the mom just sent me a video right before this talk of her child with the shiny pom-pom. And, um, yeah, she, she really seems to be making eye contact and oh, playing wow. with that. So that thing is working great. I know in one of the vision classes I was taking – couple weekends ago they mentioned also using the mylar um yeah. tissue paper for dislops because one it crinkles and makes the auditory but it also has yeah. the reflective light and then they talked about um those making the the jar with glitter glue and water um a clear jar and shaking that around and giving yeah. motion but um what are my patients since yellow and red are the seem to be uh, what they really seem to like to look at? One of my patients has Winnie the Pooh toy, oh, and uh-huh. that's the thing. So Winnie the Pooh is a good yellow red <laughs> contrast <laughs> toy. Hey, now, where are you taking these classes at? 
Um, Some of the classes that I just took were through MedBridge. It's a continuing online education um, class. Do you know know who who is teaching that? Is it a Dr. Claude Valente um, from San Diego? I do know Dr. Claude Valente, but no, this is a Cynthia Potter who's a um, was a PT who's teaching these classes. But um, Dr. Claude Valente, I haven't seen him for many years, but I used to work at Rady's Children's Hospital, and oh, um, I have become aware of him. Yeah, and I even invited him to come to Rady's to do a um, a presentation to all the speech OT and PTs. And for a while, he was offering. Um, you know, some free assessments for my kids and stuff. But I I do need to get back in touch with them. But yeah. I do know him. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, un- until we could find some other doctors down there. But I, I really feel he is really uh, uh, just a brilliant doctor. And he looks at things more than just the eyes, you know, how the eyes and the hands, they work together, how it stimulates movement. And uh, so, yeah, get in touch with him and uh, tell him that I said hi. That would be great. Yeah, but we need more people like Patty down here <laughs> in San Diego. Because <laughs> we have the Braille Institute, but we don't have a developmental person in San Diego. I need, need to get one. Well, well we have... But you could, we, oh. Karen, Karen is is you know the person in charge of it. So we have to try to raise some money so we could hire somebody down there, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I've been never actually. Yeah, been in touch, and um, you, one of your families just contacted me today, and um, mm-hmm. so I I have um, contacted Liz. And she will be working. She will be contacting the mom tomorrow. But um, yeah, we're um, she's referring uh, babies to us. So um, it's nice that we can do things virtually. Um, and you know, San Diego has always been an area that we've wanted to reach out to. It's just yeah. that it's it's a little difficult to find a consultant down there. And, um, but at least we're able to help these families virtually. So, um, right. You know, right. And, yeah, I mean, you know, we, appreciate we have, it. we have um, exceptional child development consultants that and they're, they're doing awesome work. I'm just sitting here listening to Liz and Patty and um, I'm surprised Elizabeth hasn't chimed, chimed in because she does awesome work as well. So um, I I just think that, um, you know, being able to reach out as much as possible to these families that might otherwise not have um, some of these resources is great. So. so actually tomorrow I'm doing a presentation to for the company in Carlsbad that has – um, speech and OT and infant educators, and I'm going to be talking about vision um, and getting them to be more aware of looking for issues and how I feel this really plays an important role in 
all these kids, even more so than all of our positions, I think. Um, well, I want to see that there's a need for that because um, there really is a need to um, work with these children visually as well as developmentally. And, um, you know, sometimes the vision aspect of some of these children gets overlooked. And sometimes once we start working with the vision, um, the developmental pieces start to fall in line. So, um, yes, you know, I, you know, I think it's a good thing that, um, you know, we talk and we bring awareness about vision and how the vision really has a developmental effect on children. So. And yeah. if there's any way you guys can work and we can get regional centers to make even get these kids really assessed and um, I just because it's so important in the, at least in the first ideally in the first year to get this and I, I don't know if you guys can think of any way in some way I can help and I, I just really want to push kids getting I, I hate that they're missing out and it's probably the thing that's affecting all the other therapies that are it would improve everything else well you know what that's um, something that's, that we we can really work on and does patty have your email so patty no, does no. not I don't, <laughs> um okay yeah so i, I how about uh, this after 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 we finish the recording if you could share your email with us, yes. yes, and then we could see if we could we could you know try to figure out a way to do something with the regional center. Okay, right, and so we'd be willing to go out, or we'd be willing to do a presentation as well um, to regional centers. I know that Patty's connected to In- Inland Regional Center. Um, Liz Southern is connected to. Um, Orange County Regional Center, and I know Elizabeth is connected to a lot of regional centers. Um, <laughs> she's connected to North LA Regional Center. She's connected with East LA, um, East Los Angeles Regional Center, and San Gabriel Pomona Regional Center. Um, I have a long-standing relationship with um, San Gabriel Pomona Regional Center as well. Oh, wow. So. Um, um, we are, you know, connected to some regional centers, but yeah, the information to get out there, we'd be more than happy to do a presentation to any of the regional centers. Gosh, and when you, even if great. we did, yeah, and even if we did a Zoom presentation and I was in there telling them that we need this vision for yeah. the PTs and speech and OTs to have to be able to get these kids doing more if they can get their vision working better. Um, yeah. It would really yeah. help. And what's the, the you know, one of the things that they do as well, um, and I don't think a lot of people know, that if there's an OT, PT, or speech therapist involved with a child, most times we collaborate with those, um, those therapists um, and we work together. Um, I know each of the child development consultants work in collaboration with infant development specialists, physical therapists, 
and occupational therapists that are working with the children. So that collaboration is there. Um, we just sometimes need the parent to ask um, if it's okay if we join in on a uh, on a therapy session so that we can work together. Oh, that's okay, great. and I know regional center always needs that. Um, usually, regional center needs it all approved in writing. My biggest right. problem with the kids is the parents go to the ophthalmologist and he tells them the eyes that their eyes are fine. And I have some kids that I mean that is really really, really obvious their eyes are not fine. And, I mean, like this, what I was talking about with the flower, I mean, he was not making eye contact at all, zero tracking. Even the mom admitted he's not making, and they are not, they didn't, they don't even have, doesn't even have the bond with the child because mm. of that. It's been really hard. But it's well, so crazy that the ophthalmologist says, oh, his eyes are fine and not, even talking about cortical, you know, or now they're calling it cerebral, you know, vision impairment and looking at the function. And the parents just have in the brain, they've been told the eyes are fine. You're um, absolutely correct. And you're absolutely correct. And that's what we need to explain to a lot of people out there. The leading cause of vision impairment in children is cortical vision impairment, also mm -hmm. cerebral vision impairment. This is where the right. eyes are, are healthy, but it is the brain that is causing the lack of vision. So we really could help those kids when they have the cerebral vision impairment by stimulating those regions of the brain. So I I think we have a really good team here, and we could do even more good work <laughs> by definitely yeah putting these things together so at this point in time though what i'd like to do is i'd like to ask does anybody else have any other exercises that you would like to recommend and uh we can put this on our recording to share it with families and uh, this is yolanda dr bill yolanda uh, yolanda moreno yes it's me Oh, I didn't even I hear you. That. I didn't I'm hear here, you. Come on. You know, I came. So one of the things that we haven't talked is about the slinky. Slinky is very basic for these kind of activities. The only concern, I mean, the only recommendation is we need to move it slowly. That way we, the kids don't hear. If we want to only assess the vision, they don't hear the slinky, like uh, moving and, and touching the slinky itself. So if we move the link slowly, it's vision stimulation, and we can the kids can track if, again uh -huh. if we move it from oh. one side to another. Hey, if we like, want to assess vision, I mean hearing also, we can do it. I mean we can do it with sound or without sound. Yes, Yolanda, do you prefer to use the metal slinky or the plastic slinky? Uh, they are, they used to be a beautiful uh, neon slinky. I don't see it anymore. So I have two old uh, neon slinky, not the metallic. The metallic, because the metal is not really too bright, mm -hmm. 
So he is not the greatest, the, the metallic slinky. Okay, right. so you're saying the plastic slinky is, is better then, huh? Yes. Yes, it oh, is. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. And does anybody else have any other activities that they'd like to share? Dr. Bill, this is Patty one more time. Um, I just want to go back to the pinwheel that I believe Laura was talking about and you were talking about. We know that you can find those pinwheels during the springtime at the Dollar Tree. And they have solid colors. So just so everybody knows out there, during March and April, if you just go to your local Dollar Tree, you can find those pinwheels in red, yellow, silver, gold, all kinds of colors. Oh, great, great. And you can't go wrong with that price. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, hey, well, this has been very, very good. This is wonderful. And uh, if if you folks would mind staying on the call, but at this point in time, I'd like to thank all of you for being on the call and like to thank uh, Dick Burden for recording this. And we will have this particular podcast up at the Braille Institute website, and also at Airs LA, www.airsla. So we look forward to talking to all of you next month when we bring you more information about low vision.